This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown, Terrence Williams. Goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. He put it on. He's up the right sideline. He's got to go. He's tackled. Sam Houston wins it. The Bearcats capture their first FCS championship. Welcome to the Republic of Football Sub FBS Edition. My name is Mike Craven, senior writer at Dave Campbell's Texas Football, joined by full time employee at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Corey Hogue, our sub FBS insider. Corey, how you doing? Uh, you survived the storm last night. Survived the storm, and uh, gotta tell you, it's still a little surreal to hear, hear uh, full time uh, Dave Campbell's employee. It, it is a true honor to be a part of this great team and this company. And uh, you know, there are so many people. I didn't want to do it in a text thread, but <clears throat> there are so many people to thank for this. Of course, you know, I got my wife. She's been beside me the whole time. My kids are, they put up with a lot. I'm not an easy one to get along with. I have a lot of energy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then, you know, I, you you have been one of my biggest defenders and, and Ishmael. You guys have really pushed this and I really appreciate it. And, and Tepper giving me, a, Tepper and Max Thompson, let me tell you, those two guys, man, they gave me a chance five years ago. They saw something that I didn't see too. And uh, it was a love of football. And that, that's something we all share. There's a love of sports. And I think that's what makes this place so much fun. And and then, you know, everybody over the years, the editor, everybody part of it there, Pickle and, and William and, and Mallory, it just you name it, it. It's just such a great team. And I'm very thankful to be a part of it. We're excited to have you. We're excited to do even more at the sub FBS level. I mean, I can say it frankly. We want to be the place for sub FBS football um, in the state of Texas. And, and we're hoping uh, that becomes true. I think it's already becoming true. Uh, the UTRGV stuff coming out this weekend, everything uh, along those lines. So uh, before we get going, um, you know, just want to say RIP Mike Leach. I'm kind of a little bit distracted uh, this yeah. morning. Uh, Coach Leach is frankly one of my favorite people I've ever come across in this business. He was awesome. We once had a 10 minute interview that lasted, I mean, probably five hours. Like he, <laughs> he is just an incredible person. He would ask you questions, which is very rare in this industry for a coach to take time to ask you about yourself. Yeah. Um, you know, there was obviously nobody is a hundred percent agreeable. You know, we all have some takes or some opinions that maybe other people wouldn't like. Nobody's a perfect human being. Uh, but Mike Leach was great. He was authentic. He was honest. He said what he believed. Uh, and that's refreshing in an industry where you don't always get everybody's honest opinion. Uh, he was yeah. curious in a way that we should all aspire to. Uh, curiosity is a thing that that maybe I believe is kind of going away a little bit. Uh, and, and he was curious about anybody and everything. Uh, and just a, a great model. And somebody who left a, a lasting impact in this state that is hard to put into words. If you looked at the 2022 season, the head coach at TCU, the head coach at Houston, the head coach at North Texas, and the head coach at Baylor were all on the same staff in Lubbock at one time. That's, that's you know, a third, 
of the head football coaches the fbs uh ranks in the state seven on seven down in the high school rank i mean air raids ran in texas high school football like it's the wishbone it's become kind of the template uh for what we do and so that's all mike leach that's that he made that mainstream uh that was all him and I think, you know, I saw a picture the other day. There's been so many memorials, and it's been so much fun to uh, kind of catch up and remember some of the things. Because I didn't know Mike Leach personally. I didn't have any personal interaction with him, but I've heard great things. The only time I saw his team play, they got in a fight at the end of the Armed Forces Bowl. <laughs> so <laughs> that was the only one I saw there. Uh, but, you know, he – you you look back and there was a picture of him and how mummy and honestly those two guys have changed college football in a way that i don't know that we really appreciate yeah and not just college football all football. of football because yeah, how but... mummy has been at the professional levels as well yeah no, and and so NFL, I, nfl teams run air raid schemes flag football teams run air raid schemes like that you know like four verticals mesh all that kind of stuff like that those are uh terms in our vernacular uh in large part because of mike leach uh everybody has great stories about him i could sit here and talk about him for this whole podcast but that's not what we're here to do we are here to look at sub fbs football and we have one team Still remaining in the hunt. Let's get to the FCS level and Incarnate Word advance to the FCS semifinals with a 66-63 win over Sacramento State in an instant classic that lasted approximately eight and a half hours, give or take. That's just my own estimation. Felt like Uh, that, didn't it? Yeah, well into Saturday morning. (laughs) Well into Saturday morning. Thanks to a 9.30 central kickoff, a TD pass from Lindsey Scott to Taylor Grimes with 27 seconds left gave the Cardinals the win. Sacramento, I'm going to put some stats out here real quick before we get into the conversation. Sacramento State recorded an FCS record 49 first downs and a loss. 49 first downs. The Hornets had 738 yards of total offense, but UIW won because they won the turnover battle 3-0, uh, including a fumble return for a touchdown in the second half. Lindsey Scott 219 yards passing and four touchdowns, 166 yards rushing, and another two touchdowns there. And then I think what may be the biggest storyline of the game, Marcus Cooper ran the ball 22 times for 176 yards and two touchdowns. Corey, just an incredible win, a tiring win for everybody involved, including us. Uh, what were kind of your you know instant takeaways from, from that game? To tell you how good that game was Cameron Scadabo, the running back that ran for over a hundred yards against you. And let's, I mean, if you watch Scadabo run, you weren't bringing him down with one person. This that was guy a dude. is a bull. That was a dude. And, and he entered the transfer portal yesterday and his, uh, his first offer came from Texas state and GJ Kinney. So that tells you how good Scadabo is, is there that it was just, it was a great game. It was a fun game to watch. It was also a frustrating game. Uh, you know, UIW never forced a punt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they they never really stopped them outside of turnovers. And you know what, though? That's what mattered because those turnovers gave the offense some short fill. And, and look, they UIW wasn't stopped after about the fourth drive. They had a couple of punts early, and then Lindsey Scott Jr., this game, he really took over himself. This was the time where he cemented the Walter Payton Award in that mm-hmm, game mm-hmm. because the offense was struggling early. 
and he just took he just took off. He put it on his legs. His running was far more effective than his passing. Sacramento State did a great job on those receivers. Yeah, their corners they, were good. Oh yeah, they they did a great job on those guys. And so it was the running game that was needed. And between Cooper and that offensive line, and then the, Lindsey Scott's ability to improvise and keep a play going. I, I can't even remember the number of third downs this guy converted with his legs that you thought he was tackled three times in the nine yards he had to get. It, it just it shows a lot. It really does. You know, it, it's interesting too. Sacramento State's coach had just the day before been announced as Stanford's next head coach. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. And that's something UIW went through the week before. Uh and and credit to him. He had his team ready to go. His team was focused uh, on that game. Uh, that's a big win for UIW. And, Huge. and now they're in the national semifinals. And uh I know we'll talk about this game, but this team has something now, I'm not saying they're national champions, but they've got an it factor to them that you don't get out of a lot of teams. Yeah, I on the football side, it's been impressive how opportunistic that defense is. It, when you have an offense like that who's going to score a lot of points, it's really hard to play complimentary football in terms of forcing three and outs and getting them to punt. Like You're going to be on the field a lot. Uh, that's just what it is, right? Um, but turning the ball over three times. I mean, that led to to the amount of points that was a difference in this game. You know, like the defense came up with seven points on their own. And so, yeah. um, you know, a, a really good, you know, stops there when you need to have them on that side. And then it feels like this offense is just inevitable. You know, like the last couple of weeks, they, they've needed a drive late in the game to go score, to win a major playoff game. And, and it hasn't even felt, our, it's three o'clock in the morning, it felt like when we we're watching that last final drive. It was like, well, they're going to go score. I mean, that's yeah. just that's just what they do. It's a matter of if the defense gives up points on the other side, but they're going to go score and take a lead in this game. <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie; it was a minute forty left when UIW began the last drive, I believe, and I I thought, man, I hope they don't score too fast. Right, right. <laughs> that really was was right. the thought there, and and you know, you talk about the turnovers. UIW has for years, for the last five six years, they have been a turnover producing machine on defense under Eric Morris. Uh, they led the FCS numerous times in turnovers at forced and turnover margin. Uh, and you got to credit their former defensive coordinator, Justin Deason with a lot of that, that he instilled there. And then the current defensive coordinator, Jonathan Patkey, uh, he's done a great job this year. And, and it just, you can kind of see how, what this current staff is doing is building off what the previous staff did. That's really impressive. And I think moving forward, UIW needs to find someone who can build off what they currently have rather than try to come in and kind of rework the, you know, the formula, if you will. And what I'm most impressed about before we get to the semifinal game is their ability to handle the outside noise off field stuff, right? Like, G.J. Kinney goes through a whole coaching search, gets announced as the head coach um, the week before the previous game. Before this game, he has an introductory press conference on Wednesday. They fly out to Sacramento on Thursday. Yeah. Then you kick off at 930 your time. That yeah. stuff's hard, man. It's well, not hard. only that. 
Then the Sacramento scores their first touchdown, and the running back goes over and takes a sip of beer from <laughs> one of their fans. You're not sure what you're up against at right. that point. You don't see an op- when an opponent goes and takes a sip of a fan's beer. It's got to set you back a second and go, okay, guys, these people aren't right. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, it was, just, it's awesome. It, really it was, is. it was crazy. It was crazy. Um, great game for UIW. Now they're in the semifinals and they're about to take on FCS royalty. Uh, yeah. UIW faces number three, North Dakota state in Fargo, North Dakota on Friday night at 6 PM on ESPN two. Frankly, if it wasn't the same week of Texas state high school championship games, I'd be trying to talk my bosses into getting me to Fargo, North Dakota, uh, for this one. Uh, it's hard to imagine UIW scoring 60-plus points on this defense. And so kind of what do you feel like are the recipes for success? How does UIW go pull off another upset? Look, if I was if I'd if I was full-time already, I'd be begging too. I, <laughs> I, want, I would love to go up there to the Fargo Dome and see this game. Um, look, eventually the road is going to go through North Dakota State. If you want to win a national title in FCS – you have to go through North Dakota State, and typically you have to do that at the Fargo Dome. It is a tough place. We know what they've done, but there, there's a couple of things here. They've looked a little weaker this year at home. It's not been as dominant. They've had a couple of losses. It, it's not as formidable a task. Kind of, It's not even the near-seemingly impossible task that it has been in recent years. So so there's that. But that offense versus defense, I think that's going to be what we're going to – both sides. Like this this game is so intriguing to me because North Dakota State has such a great defense, and they're playing one of the top offenses. So who's going to win out? We, you know, we always hear defense wins championships. This could be a game that kind of kind of either solidifies that or gets us questioning. Uh, that phrase a little bit. And then offensively for North Dakota, can they control the ball? Cause they're going, their game plan is going to be keep the ball away from Lindsey Scott jr. They're going to run the ball. They're going to be happy with three, four year. They're going to move the ball down the field. And when they get in the red zone, they're going to put it in. They, they don't, they don't miss in the red zone very often. So can this defense stop the run enough for UIW to force enough punts to keep keep them in that game. The defense is going to have to keep them in this game. I don't think the offense puts up a ton of points. And so really it's going to it's going to come down on the shoulders of the defense a lot to win in the red zone and and stop the run. I had more concern about UIW scoring points on this type of team a couple weeks ago, but with Lindsey Scott's newfound ability or not even newfound ability, but they're using it more, his legs and his ability to run the ball and extend plays. Then you add Marcus, Marcus Cooper in there in the game he had last week. I clearly know North Dakota State's defense is on a different level than what Sacramento State's was. Uh, but still, it's hard to stop a team when they're multi-purposed that way, right? When the quarterback can run, they have a decent running back. They got multiple wide receivers that can kill you. Like we talked about, Sacramento State early on in the first quarter was, was stymieing UIW's offense. Uh, but you just figured out, then you look up and they got 66 points, you know? And so, uh, you know, what is a low scoring output for UIW? Can they still put up 35 points and feel like they, you know, didn't have their best outing? It does feel like if they can get to 30, 
they, they feel pretty good about, you know, what their chances are um, this week. And the defense is going to have to be opportunistic again, come up with some turnovers because they're probably not going to be able to just stand there and go physical, physical toe to toe uh, in order to go to state. And then I think you touched on uh, one of the most important parts is red zone defenses. Um, North Dakota State's going to move the ball. Incarnate Word's going to move the ball. West defense can force field goals, first turnovers and downs, first ter- force just straight out turnovers. Uh, when teams get into the red area, um, that one's going to be uh, a big one there. So, yeah, you know, I, I look at North Dakota State and what they've been doing, and we talk about how many points does UIW need to put up. Thirty is the max number you hit that, and I don't know if you know if if you how much you researched it to hit that number. Yeah, but you're dead on with that number because only one time this year has North Dakota State allowed thirty points, and and that was a loss to Arizona on the road to that <laughs> FBS area, and that was a 31-28 loss. Uh, only four other times have they given up 20 points in a game. This defense doesn't surrender points, so 30 is going to be that magic number, and with that being the magic number on offense, that tells you that defense has got to be really, really good in the red zone this week. Let's touch a little bit, since we're on Incarnate Word, let's just talk about the head coaching situation uh, just for a second. Now, from what I know, uh, Ephra, Ephraim Banda, he he turned down the job or at least took his name out of the running. Uh, he's the def- co-defense coordinator at Utah State. Uh, he played there. Um, doesn't sound like he's you know really in the mix anymore. Uh, from what talking to you, from talking to other people, it sounds like they're willing to take their time on this one, let this FCS run play itself out, and then really get into the weeds on the coaching search in order to avoid any type of distraction. It, it seems the athletic director at UIW does not like distractions, uh, especially in important times like playoffs. So he was not a big fan of the whole coaching search at Texas state there the last couple of weeks. So the way that they've handled that has been outstanding. Uh, but it sounds to me like he, he's probably going to wait till this season's over because he doesn't like distractions. And why were you going to add a distraction when you've got national semifinal? Now, after this game, you need to find a coach. If they if they win this game, you need to find one before the national title. That's not coming till second week of January. Yeah. Uh, so you need to find you you need to hire someone before you know in between that. But I don't blame him. at least, uh, you know, and keep those away. I I think I, I think there's two two names two front runners just from the outside looking in. Uh, Mac Leftwich, of course, the offensive coordinator. I think he's, uh, if you're going to stay in-house and keep going young offensive mind, he's a great one. Uh, but another name I've really heard here is Brian Ellis, the offensive coordinator at Georgia State. Um, that is a name to really keep an eye on uh, throughout this process as well. I, I just, I think UIW sticks with the thing that's been working, a young up-and-coming offensive mind. Yeah, if not broke, right? I mean, yeah. you know, and it clearly is not. You know, they are quickly on the rise to become, and with Sam Houston moving up, um, you know, it's kind of them and SFA uh, in terms of kind of the 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 front line battle of who emerges as kind of the FCS power um, in the state of Texas incarnate. Where it's amazing how quickly they've caught up to the pack because that wasn't true five years ago, obviously, and now oh, they're right there. Look, UIW, you want to talk about football history? They have none other than right. the last five years. Yeah. Eric Morris did something remarkable and amazing 
when he took over that program and turned them into a winner. Because before that, UIW was Division Two, getting blown out by 70. You know, they were not good. They never had been good until Eric Morris. So uh, I, I still – we talk about G.J. Kinney, what he's done. It's been incredible, and we still need to give a lot of credit to Eric Morris for really getting this thing going in the right direction at a place that – how do you not win in San Antonio? Honestly, we've talked about it. The recruiting is there. Who doesn't want to live in a San Antonio? I, you know, it's just a fun place. Yeah. All three of those programs in San Antonio at the college level doing great things. I mentioned Sam Houston. I know that they're kind of uh, floating in the middle now. I don't know if we're supposed to talk about them at length uh, <laughs> or not on this podcast anymore. Uh, but sources do tell me, I put this out on Twitter, that Casey Keeler is going to sign an extension with Sam Houston. He's going to stick around there uh, the for, for the foreseeable future. Um, so any reports uh, that he's kind of in the mix at North Texas, uh, just not not going to be true. He's going to stay in Huntsville uh, and help them transition uh, into the FBS. So and they've uh, they've had a um, a change in staff. Uh, there's not going to be a blitz this week. So th- this would kind of be something that you would get in the blitz. Uh, Jacoby Walker is out as wide receivers coach uh, at Sam Houston. They have made a change. They have brought back Chris Buckner who was at Texas state and what used to be at Sam Houston, uh, but not sure if he's going to come back as wide receivers coach yet that the position is, is still up in the air, but, but that is a move that has happened on that staff. And, and another one to watch the offensive coordinator, because they had a little change there in the middle of the season. So that's going to be another position to watch. Yeah. I know a guy he likes is Mac Lefwich. Um, you know, he, <laughs> he, he's kind of on the tongue of everybody right now. And so uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Mac there. The UIW job, obviously, Kenny going to Texas State uh, is a possibility just to follow him there, bring the whole band together. So uh, it's good to be an offensive play caller when your team's scoring 66 points in playoff games, right? You're going to have some options. That's a good place to be. I wish I was his agent right now because uh, it's going to be a, a good couple of weeks here fielding offers uh, for Mr. Leftwich. Uh, let's get into uh, the Mary Harden-Baylor game. Not as good in the news, not as fun of a topic, but that was the other sub-FBS game uh, in the state this past week. North Central 49-14 to over UMHB in the D3 semifinals. The Cardinals will play Mount Union in the Stag Bowl Friday at 6 p.m. This was a matchup between, I think, the last three or four national championships, right? Because there wasn't a 2020 season with the pandemic. Mary Harden Baylor had won it. North Central had won it uh, before the pandemic. And so uh, two-storied programs here. Uh, and North Central just kind of came out right away and just beat them up. They are up 14-0 midway through the first quarter. Never really looked back. The crew made it 14-7. And then after that, they were never within a single possession. Once North Central uh, scored again, it was a two-possession game the rest of the way out. To me, the difference was the running game. North Central ran for 294 yards and three touchdowns, averaged 6.7 yards a run. The crew only 1.3 yards a carry, 29 or 39 yards on 29 runs. Um, and so, Corey, for you, you know, you've talked about it all, all along. The way to beat this crew team is, is you got to match them up front and beat them in the trenches. North Central was able to do that, and they did it for four quarters. They they not only beat them up and bullied them in the trenches, they beat them up and bullied them at every position on the field. Uh, you know, how Brandon Jordan early, they tried about four different defensive backs that are all about six foot one on him, and, and they couldn't stop him. But you know what they did at halftime? They got a little more physical. And in the second half, when they got physical with him, he lost his cool and got a penalty once. Uh, it really took him out of his game when they got physical with him, and they were just daring 
the officials to throw a pass interference flag. I, I've thought a lot about this game the last couple days that, you know, yes, these teams combined have won the last three national titles, um, but that's not uncommon at, uh, at the D3 level. Like, you've got just a few programs up there that just seem to dominate all the time. Marion Baylor looked tired. They looked yeah. fatigued. They looked beat up. You know, the Knicks and the hard schedule they had was great and prepared them. It also might have might have played a little role. Like, this has been a long season. They looked like a team that had played. And we got to remember, this group together has played from the pandemic through, you know, the pandemic season in the spring, then right into fall 2021, then one off season. I don't know if that's been enough. Like I, last year, Sam Houston lost because they just got tired. Yeah. And it carried it over to way. this year. It carried over too. It like did. It, it felt yeah. that way. So yeah. that now will this carry over for Mary Harn Baylor? Maybe not as much because they've got a lot of players that uh, they'll, they'll have to replace and, and they've got a, a JV coming up and, you know, so I don't know that it'll carry over as much because I think a lot of the ones that went through that time will have departed. Uh, but man, they they did. They just looked tired and they got beat and bullied. And I give a shout out to North Carol North uh, Central's quarterback, man. North Central College quarterback. That guy could take off and get twenty yards in about point five seconds. It seemed like he was so fast. <laughs> I mean, he only completed 13 passes. Four of them were touchdowns. Uh, and then he also led the team in, in rushing with team high 139 yards. So, yeah, I mean, I, I was just really – to me, sometimes you watch a game and you just go, oh, okay, the other team's better, right? And it just yeah. like at least on that day, I, you know, maybe if they play 10 times, it's 6-4 to four North Central or something like that. But on that day, North Central was a better football team. The Cardinals were just better. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, and if they play ten times, it, you're not going to get a blowout, maybe, but one other time, yeah, too, right. And like just, it, this, that just worked. Like everything worked for North Central in that game. But yes, from the start, like at the from kickoff on, that no time did I think Mary Harden Baylor could compete in that game. It just had that feeling to it. And the reason I mentioned North Central just like as a past national champion is we've seen some teams hang with Mary Harden early on, and it feels like they look up and go like, oh, man, we're in this game. How are we in this game? This is Mary Harden Baylor. North Central didn't have that. They, they won national no. championships, too. Like they, they're not they're not going to walk on the field, be intimidated by the the history and the success of Mary Harden Baylor. It's just a football game, and they beat them at their own game. And they did. They beat Mary Harden Baylor in a Mary Harden Baylor fashion. It's interesting you say that because. I've heard a lot from North uh, North Central of this was the one game that they didn't know they could win. Mary Harden Baylor was that hump they had not been able to get over. Last year they met in the national title game and Mary Harden Baylor thumped them, owned them. They repaid them this year. And I think that's – they got over that one right there. Mary Harden Baylor still has a – mystique yeah about them and for it when you think of another team that's been in two straight national championship games and won one of them to still feel that mystique about a, a mary harden baylor just tells you how great this program is uh north central's a team to watch as long as that coach in that now they've joined in there with mount union and wisconsin whitewater and these teams that are national title contenders uh, from every single year now 
I think it's important to to not be too disappointed here, right? Like you can't reach a point where getting to the semifinals is like, oh, <laughs> like, like we all oh. we only made it to the semifinals or whatever. Still a great year in transition, first year as a head coach, a lot of new stuff going on. Like I I sure it's disappointing to lose, especially to lose that way, but still all things considered a great season for Mary Harden Baylor. We're one, one game away from the stag bowl again. So uh, you, all you th- say that, things, Craig, things looking up in mountains. I know there, there I know, are fans, but I, I get to be the voice <laughs> of reason here. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> if you're a fan, if you're a player, if you're a coach, I understand why you're disappointed. I, I get that. But as time goes, yeah. you, you look back on this season and it's not a, not at all. A di- you beat Harden Simmons, right? Yeah. You beat you beat Trinity. You 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 know you won the state. You made it to the semifinals. You got beat by a team that was just better. And that's you know that's just that you know you're not going to be the best team every single year. I'm sorry, this is not how it works. I think the best way uh, to kind of to put a bow on this and wrap this up with uh, a Mary Harden Baylor. <sighs> We've enjoyed it. It's been a hell of a run. You know, the, this is a team, look, the, like I said about injuries, that uh, Kyle King has reportedly has a broken foot, and then he separated his shoulder in the first half against North Central, and and the dude still went out there and played, and he's not the only one. That's just one example of, of the injuries and things that the, these guys dealt with. They lost an offensive lineman. That hurt, too, in that game because that offensive line was such a unit. But I, I think we – I think as a – fan base I would like for them to take just a step back I've seen some of the players doing this take a step and be and realize what this group of seniors yes has done like they have they are leaving in legendary status Tommy Bowden Kyle King Brandon Jordan KJ Miller the list goes on and on that the offensive line like they are leaving Mary Harden Baylor as legends. They will they will be uh, in the hallway to the locker room where they put the great players and wherever you put wherever else Mary Harden Baylor puts Hall of Fame members of their football program. These guys are going to be in it, and it's been a joy to watch them. It has been a fun ride, and I appreciate them allowing us to uh, to kind of be a very small part of this and and, and watch as it happened. I mean, this is a grander point than just Mary Harden Baylor, but as somebody who just watches the 47 teams in the state without a ton of like individual rooting interest, right? Like I'm just rooting for the state of Texas. My dream is for like the D3 national championship to be like Mary Harden versus Trinity. And at D2, we get Angelo State and at FCS, you know, all the way up, right? Like that's that's all I care about. Um but I think perspective is lost, like as a fan, like we just, yeah. we lose it, you know, like I'm a UTSA fan. One day, Jeff Trailer's going to lose, leave. Frank Harris is going to graduate. We're going to go six and six and everybody's going to be up in arms. Right. And I'm, this is just who I am as a person. I'm going to be like, guys, this is what it is. Like, that, you know, like <laughs> we had like great years. Like, why are we like perspective is important. Uh, I think that's a great point for Mary Harden Baylor. The seniors that are leaving here uh have written history like they're guys that we're going to talk about for in 15 years we're going to make a kyle king reference right when we're talking about some quarterback who's just a tough dude you know you know i almost cussed um you know (laughs) (laughs) it would have been a really good compliment but like just a tough mother you know like yeah just just a guy we're gonna be like man that's like a kyle king type performance right there and like that's that's what this is about right like that's that's what football is about it's fun 
Um, and so like, I just think it was a great season. It was a lot of fun to watch. They um, have players you will compare guys to. I think right. that's the biggest compliment that we can give them. Kate, you find another guy that may be slightly undersized with a lot of speed. The first name going to come to your mind is KJ Miller. Right. Could he be uh, a KJ Miller type? You know, like that's, <laughs> yes. that's things that yeah. are going to be said. Right. And so, um, you see a six, nine wide receiver out there, you know, <laughs> Brandon Jordan, <laughs> you know, you're going to get reminded by something. So like, you know, I, I just think, uh, yeah, I get why you're disappointed if you're Mary Harden Bay, the fan, if you're a coach, if you're a player, but I think next month, two months from now, three months from now, get a little perspective, look back and, and just think about what these guys have done for your program over the last three or four years. And it's legendary. It's awesome. Um, you know, they've, they've so is kind Frank of... Harris actually ever going to leave though. Really? Uh, I gotta ask you. Now, well, he's got one more. He's coming back for one more year. He's coming back. He's going to, he gets one more year. Dr. Frank Harris. Um, <laughs> he's going to have two doctorates yeah. when he's done. Well, as a UTSA grad, I was joking with him, you know, and I, I can say this. It's like when you can make fun of your brother, but other people can't. Uh, I was like, I don't think we have higher education at UTSA. <laughs> and that, like, we're going to have to make, we're going to have to create new majors to like, you know, cause like we don't, nobody's ever stayed at UTSA for seven years other than like to fail, you know, like, I mean, I took <laughs> that, I didn't even get a master's, you know what I mean? And so, uh, yeah, uh, the 2020, that free year in 2020 has changed the math everywhere. It's so hard yes. to tell. Like, I don't even, does Lindsey Scott have another year? Who knows? No. You know what I mean? No, he he actually does not. <laughs> this is because he's been around all over the place, too. I, but, yeah. hey, if 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 something, if something he somehow got a waiver and was Texas oh, yeah. State's head coach or uh, quarterback next year, I wouldn't be too surprised because I've forgotten what it even means to be a senior anymore. Uh, <laughs> that, that was the hardest part about, uh, not to go on my own little rant here, but that was the hardest part about putting on the magazine together was figuring out who the seniors who were graduating, who the seniors that could still come back, yeah, you because know, each yeah. school kind of does it. Some schools already count the year. Some schools didn't. So like the rosters and stuff are crazy, you know, and that's going to exist until the freshmen of 2020 are out. Like it's going to yes. it's going to take a little while to wash out. I've had people be like, well, with the super seniors in our rearview mirror is like what rearview mirror? Like they're still they're still coming. Like, you know, like <laughs> there's going to be this is going to be till 2025, 2026 before this is all just completely washed out and started over. Uh, hopefully the NCA eventually just goes to giving everybody five years, no red shirt. That's you just get five years of eligibility if you want it. Uh, and then you move on whenever you, whenever you're done with that. So, well, I will say too, it's nice to see Frank Harris has changed UTSA, not only in football, but in their academic standards as well. They had to yeah. make new programs yeah. for him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's going to be a professor, but by the time he's done there, you're going to take Frank Harris's <laughs> class. And, yeah. You're going to take Frank Harris's class and then go watch him, you know, beat North Texas on Saturday or something like that. So uh, yeah, he can stay there for as long as he wants. He's St. Frank in my book. Oh, yeah. uh, let before we uh, before we wrap this up, there's been decent amount of coaching news. I think four new coaches since the last time we did a podcast. UTRGV, Houston Christian, Lamar, Texas A&M Commerce. Uh, Corey broke the UTRGV news. Um, you know, this is one of the reasons we're putting Corey on full time. And I and I <laughs> this is my podcast, so I can talk about whatever I want. Nobody can fire me. Um, <laughs> The RGV story in 24 hours got more clicks than the Texas State story did. Right? And we broke both of those things. So, like, there is there is a hunger and appetite in a isolationist era of, like, FCS football. Like, there's nobody else. Like, as soon as I broke the Texas State news, you could go find that seven, eight, nine, ten different outlets, right? Like, yeah. not a lot of people are covering sub-FBS in the way that it should be covered. 
Um, and so when you put out that story, you were the only story out there. And so yeah. people had to come to us for that. Uh, what are your thoughts on Travis Bush being the guy to kind of start that program that, you know, for people who don't know, aren't going to play until 2025? Well, uh, to start with, you know, that um, getting the new in the, the, the hunger of it, that's that's what I've been saying there. I don't think I've truly realized the depth of uh, how much how, how large a fan base is we actually have uh, at the sub FBS level as well. And um, we're about to change the game of for FCS football and sub FBS in this state. If you want to compete, we're coming. Like, uh, I, I know you and I, we, we share a lot of similarities and we have a lot of energy and we have a lot of passion and a determination to be the best. And uh, you, we never are at our best. So it, it, if you want to come along and try to enter this, you know, bring your a game and help it. Cause we're going to, we're going to bring it too. That's basically what's coming on here in this. I think Travis Bush is a great hire. Uh, UTRGV college experience. Uh, I know the Houston fan base, but they don't, they, they don't forget anything down in the <laughs> Cougar land. Uh, but Travis Bush spent some time at Texas state. He's been around and then, He's got the RGV connections, the yeah. Rio Grand Valley connections that I feel like you need. The other finalist for this was Mike Salinas at, at Texas A&M Kingsville. And uh, he also would have been a great choice. But I think Travis Bush had a little insight here. Now, he's a, a Rio Grande Valley guy. He's got the college experience. And he recruited his current athletic director and boss uh, when he the UTSA. You know, it's so... They go back a long ways, and they built that relationship. That tells you a lot about Travis Bush. He built that relationship with Chase Conk at uh, UTRGV now. Back when he was in high school, that relationship has lasted this long. So that that tells you a lot about him. I, I think it's important, uh, the UTSA experience as well, just being around a program that was starting, going through that year of transition yeah. where you're just practicing. How do you kind of juggle that? Because that's not fun. Right. Like it, it's not a lot of fun just to practice Monday through Friday and then no game Saturday. That Saturday's the carrot. And you don't have Yesterday, that. Yesterday he had a week. he put up a picture of him and uh, Larry Coker. He was yep. visiting Larry Coker, so he knows what to do. Yep. All right. Um time ticking off here on us. I think that's gonna wrap it up. We will do this again next week, no matter the incarnate word, uh result or not. I'm sure we'll have uh more coaching stuff to do. Um, we'll start looking at some programs, maybe start grading some teams, their hires, maybe their seasons, uh, looking forward a little bit like that. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that'll do it. That'll do it yeah, for hey, us. We, next week, uh, we can get into more of some of these other hires from this yeah. week. Yeah. You know, Clint Dozel, Braxton Harris at, uh, at Houston Christian. Those are great hires. I'm excited about those. Peter Rossamondo, I don't even know who he is. We're going to figure him out here this next week, see if we can talk about him some in the last show next week. Man, I love our jobs hard, man. That's a, that's, a hard, that's a hard place to coach. So, yeah, we'll get more into that um, as the offseason gets going and once we have, you know, less and less football uh, to talk about. For Corey Hove, for Mike Craven, for Dave Campbell's Texas Football, texasfootball.com, please rate, subscribe, like this podcast, and go read our stuff. We will talk to you next week.